This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast where we have our final tape review of the season. Yes, we're going to be delving in to the Seahawks 49ers wildcard matchup tape, exploring a lot of what went wrong, some of what went right. And don't worry, after this, we will have season reviews, we will have off-season talk, we'll have draft stuff. But this game, in a way, was kind of a nutshell of the Seahawks' own season, a whole season. Griff? Yeah. How uh, do you agree with that statement? Was it was it uh, was it all things coming to a head? Uh, I don't know. I, I view this game separately from the rest of the regular season because I don't know. They, they they were making they had huge problems, but then they also had a lot of things go right for them, and they were getting better while sustaining like weak spots throughout the season. And I, I just feel like this game. The way it happened, it didn't really connect to a lot of the things that happened in the regular season. Like I couldn't draw a line and connect the dots. I feel um, some stuff certainly, but you know, with all in all, like you know, you didn't have Brooks out there. Ryan Neal probably shouldn't have played. He wasn't a hundred percent. He was not nowhere near as what Abrams was giving them. Um, Abrams probably should have started. Um, uh, you know, Tariq Olin probably had the worst game of his season. And a lot of their, their really good pass defense overall from like week six on hinged on, you know, having really good corner play out of their right corner spot. So when the guy that occupies that spot all of a sudden has his worst game of the season, well, like there goes the whole premise of you being a competitive defense, a big part of it anyway, right? Um, and then I thought Cody Barton had was playing really well for most of the, most of the season this year. And then he has a really bad game. Um, so it's like, okay, everything that our hopes were pinned on unraveled this game. And I don't feel like this game needs to define what they were and what they had to build on. Um, so I, it's a cop out, but like I kind of in my mind, I just throw this game out. Like they, they mm-hmm. had a they had a tweaked game plan, which I, I saw the theory behind given who they were playing and given that they were undermanned, but it was still kind of dumb in hindsight. Um you know, I mean, there's still some positives to draw from. I actually thought the individual play of like three or four guys on the inside was actually decent. I thought Woods, Harris, and Puna actually all played pretty well. I thought Shelby Harris got some pressure. He didn't really hold up in the run game. But that's kind of to be expected. You know, LJ, LJ Collier didn't really do anything, unfortunately. I thought Miles Adams did. He looked like he belonged. Um, so like their issues again were kind of like schematic, like we've talked about for the most part. And the linebackers are in disarray. I mean, Shanahan threw everything at them. Um, and again, with that Brooks out there and like the corners not knowing what to do on perimeter runs, it's just like yeah, whatever. Punt it, get healthy, add 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 players to the line of scrimmage, and then go get them next next year. Real quick on Woolen. I don't want to excuse, uh, you know, I don't want to excuse his poor play on just this, but uh, he did hurt his ankle in that game the week mm. before. 
I wonder how much that did impact them. Did that seem like it was impacting them at all? I mean, it could have. So, like his his catch up speed was there. It was just he okay. gave up so much separation at the break. Mm-hmm. It's entirely possible that you know his ankle, his ability to plant and drive, you know, mm-hmm. and change direction was impacted. Maybe once he gets going, it can build up some steps. He can get his long speed back. So maybe that's maybe that's why he was giving up so much so much separation on those dig routes and over routes. Um, but I, I thought part of it was like alignment and then not his eyes not being in the right place, not feeling the break, which is just so hard to do. Um, but then maybe there is the physical element now also further because he knew he was maybe physically hobbled. He felt like he had to be more conservative with what decisions he was making because mm-hmm. he didn't want to give up anything deep. So maybe that also affected him mentally, you know, like kind of it, things compound. Um, so his eyes yeah his eyes were a mess and the defense that they're running under weak rotated cover three that there are occasions where the cornerback is tasked with playing down at the line of scrimmage to be like a a force defender away from where the sam's down uh, if they bring a a tight end to the open side or what would have been the open side before the tight end gets there but an extra gap and woolen was caught looking in the backfield a lot also under six where he's like the cloud force cornerback that that's a situation where there's less conflict but if he's got a cover three deep third responsibility and he's also meant to be the guy then forcing a run back inside if it legitimately then he sort of gets mixed up in situations where he didn't have to be the force defender as well and this has happened all season to a degree but this game, Shanahan just didn't let him off the hook. He just kept going at it, and eventually they reaped rewards. Like, Woolen's early pass breakup, his eyes are wrong, and he's beat, but he recovers. Mm-hmm. Then later in the game, he gets beat, and he doesn't recover, and his eyes are wrong. So. And granted, like, that's kind of Shanahan. Like, the play calls themselves, the lines drawn on the page, are fairly simple and, like, not that diverse in terms of what he called this game. But with the way he gets everything to pop is that the like the 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 play side of the concept he'll he'll combine that with different like zone flow direction and then the the quarterback like turning around at different like different directions as well like just combining like different flow different quarterback turn and then whether it's a boot a half boot or pocket play action with the same play calls and then just reversing the play and then just the second level can't get a beat on you know where the play's headed, but the design itself isn't conflicting players. It's all keys at the line of scrimmage. It's crazy because he really like again the, the 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 number of plays he called were so were few in number. He called like the same, he called like three plays like five times each. Really, this game. Um, yeah, I, I think what upset me was like Shanahan did call a great game. And he spammed a lot of the same concepts, as he said, Griff, but from slightly different looks and uh, dressed things up in a way that was problematic. Like the catch Woolen gave up was the quarterback faking to the same side and then throwing. So like waggle rather than boot, which I think is noteworthy. But the lack of detail this deep into the season from the defense it just is upsetting in like the way they execute. So Pete Carroll mentioned how young they were as a team, but like it was vet- it's veteran players who made mistakes like this. So if we get the f- tape going, um, this is an early example of the problem. So. So 8.02 in the first quarter, a first and 10. Are we bringing this up on screen? Okay. Yes, that patience is a virtue. <laughs> so, <clears throat> as I clear my throat, So basically, Seattle's playing middle field open coverage. It's uh, cover two over here, I believe. So cover two at the top of the screen, 
And then away is cover four, which is just a, a basic call. They've run this kind of thing all year. Not a big deal. Now, the 49ers, a big thing they do is shift to create a more advantageous matchups, to create stress points in the defense. To, and Seattle didn't adjust as much the shifts as I'd have expected in terms of like resetting the front, even if it was the run strength changing, which, again, that caused issues. But here, Bruce Irvin, because this is a slot, he walks out. Um, he was down at the line of scrimmage in the like five down look. He walks out and plays. And, over and that's the slot. juice, right? Forming the slot. Yes, it's Careful. juice. It's juice yeah. check. Yeah. So, Irvin, because he's got this guy, he's the quarter flat player, and to help out Conji Diggs, who's in the deep quarter, and to help out Woolen, and also because he might have to run with a wheel route, he needs to be in a position to cover down on the slot. Like, And this is the way they've played it. This is the way they want to play this year. Uh, of course, it gives them three over two by doing this. Now, to accommodate that, the edge is obviously soft because Bruce Irvin is now not down at the line of scrimmage. He's up in the slot. So to accommodate that, the guy who would ordinarily have been a three technique would typically, as we've seen, um, as a lot of teams do, like Aranda does the same thing, um, they'd bump this defensive tackle into a four-eye. So rather than being on the outside shoulder of the guard, he'd go to the inside shoulder of the tackle. But you can see here Jefferson doesn't do that. And... Um, I will get you to the end zone angle. Gl glimpse of how long this run was. Here comes Irvin walking with juice check. He starts looking at Quinton Jefferson. I don't know if he, any gestures as though he's trying to tell him, but he doesn't, right? Uh, or, or maybe he's not even doing that. But the point being, Jefferson remains on the outside shoulder of the guard as a three technique, not as a four eye. Now, why is that a problem? especially against a great play caller like Shanahan, is it leaves the C-gap super, super weak. And Shanahan, of course, found a way to crease the C-gap with this play call in an impressive fashion. And if you'd had a four-eye on the play, and we'll go through it, but if you'd had a four-eye on the play, it would have really helped out because it would have kept the tackle from doing certain things. But you can't play with a three-tech and a walked-out uh, outside linebacker like this. It doesn't work. Um, and they were sort of asking for this to happen. In a, yeah. In a perfect world, I think Bruce folds in. But the way that, like, like folds inside of Williams, but the the angle he's coming at, the angle, yeah, like... You can't, you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so what, what would a four-eye do? Well... If we draw up how it's blocked, because the tackle, rather than having a guy on him, because the tackle hasn't doesn't need to worry about this three technique, the tackle is able to go out to Bruce, and then Juice Check, rather than blocking Bruce, is able to come up and seal the uh, Cody Barton, and they're able to just run it up this big area. But if you'd had a guy on the tackle, then suddenly that either the tackle has to block him which buys time for everyone else, uh, then means Juice Check probably has to block Bruce. And then suddenly the linebackers are kept clean as well, and you're in a much better position. Because um, if we, if I just played this through again... Um... But then doesn't the left guard become a little bit of a problem in that instance, or...? Well, they're running so far outside that yeah, sure the left guard can climb up to the linebacker, but it's an easier it's an easier leverage for the gotcha. for the uh, for the for the linebacker. The linebacker can get over the top of it. Gotcha. But, yeah, good question. Um, whereas this guy can just pin uh, juice check. He's mm -hmm. got the the angles advantage. Um, and you can see here at this point also Jefferson, who's kind of in a liability against the run in general, he even managed to get kind of reach blocked at three technique. Like, okay, he's keeping the guard yeah. off, guys, but not the best play. Uh, and so you can already see how this path is being created. Um, and they even pulled Kittle around as well um, to, to really clear out this C-gap area. But 
the, if they'd played it with a four eye, as they should have, or as they they have throughout the season in their scheme, Barton would be the guy meeting Kittle, and then there might be a shot of um, if uh, the four eye had stayed and the C gap making the play, Muse is slow coming along. Uh, they also might have run it down from the backside. You just don't know because they didn't play it like that, and that's how they, in theory, have been playing things. But they just didn't play it like that, and the crease is just way too wide. The C gap gets super wide because of it. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think they didn't really have a check plan for um, a slot formation being formed by the fullback, basically, for the, for but this like, personnel package. But, like, you know, he walked out. Like, it should just be simple that, like, he's walked out to cover a number two detached from right. the core. You should right. bump to a four-eye. So, um Then to sort of illustrate this point of how they're just not executing. And Jefferson is a veteran. Bruce Irvin is a veteran, right? Second and 13, 6.59 in the first quarter on the same drive. Uh, Seattle defending inside their red zone. Now, Bruce Irvin walks out to cover down on the slot. But notice how close he plays. Again, it's the same thing of uh, we have... Cover four over here. Bruce Irvin's the quarter flat player. And we have cover two away um, with Barton as the middle hook defender. And the, Seattle's defense managed to sort of contain the 49ers in the first half. But honestly, like, they were so close to giving up a lot more points. Like, they, yeah. they really... <laughs> it was bad throughout, really. Um so now Jefferson has accommodated Bruce by playing in a four-eye. Um, maybe it's because it was a slot receiver, not a fullback forming the slot, but that's what's happened. And Bruce goes to play with power, but because he makes this technique choice, he ends up getting beat um, very, very quickly by... Uh, that's IU, right? 11. Yeah. yeah. Now, because typically Cody Barton's job would be to relate to the three receiver, which is McCaffrey, who's a dangerous guy, right? But because Bruce has been beat across his face, which is the one job as a quarter flat player, because it's a middle field open coverage, because you've got help to the outside, you have to be the inside presence. But Bruce just got beat quick in his jam. Um, and that meant Barton had to melt over to the first slant route uh, where Purdy was looking, right? That saw McCaffrey completely uncovered because Tanner Muse was matching the seam of George Kittle, makes sense, in the cover two. And it just created so much space and room. And again, it's like, why are we not executing these techniques? You watch a Shanahan offense and everyone is so fine-tuned of how they execute a play. Whereas here, Bruce is suddenly lining up way closer than he was in that last play. As in yeah. a quarter flat, Jefferson suddenly decided, okay, we, we're going to play four eye now. Barton's having to make up for a bit of stuff, but also he really shouldn't be focused. Okay, he's melting with the quarterback's eyes, but he should not. I guess he sees the receiver open, but really he should be thinking running back. It's so inconsistent. Yeah. I mean, he does have to play his hook first if he has a threat in the hook. But yeah, I mean, honestly, a lot of this too is like a coverage beater. Like three week versus three week versus quarter quarter half can be really really devastating. Um, sure, but you can't basically Bruce letting the guy yeah. across his face is yeah. Bad. No, I mean, yeah, I don't know why sure. he lines so close. It's just because he wants to get hands on immediately, I guess. But like, you can't you can't let that happen. Um, he just clearly is uncomfortable. He, I mean, yeah. he hasn't done a lot of this in his career either. Which is also why they don't check, uh, play bear as much. But anyway. Um, or would be their reasoning for it. So that was just slightly annoying. There's a lot of plays which have a kind of weird theme to them. Um, Griff, do you have a timestamp or shall I? Um, I do not. <laughs> so just let it rip. Hmm. 
time to vibe out. Well, we should say that uh, Seattle's third down plan in the first half, I guess the, that was kind of the major difference from the first half to the second half in terms of what Seattle did. Uh, like, they're what they largely played cover one rat, so man-to-man defense with a post safety and then a player in the low hole. Purdy was really struggling in the first half, and Shanahan gave him a lot of kind of roots over the middle, and Purdy tried to beat the rat there and didn't get there. You remember... Barton's outstretched, almost pick, and Tanner Muse had a pass break up as well. Then in the second half, uh, Shanahan came back with some better beaters where they were sort of more to the perimeter. Purdy made more of the throws. Ryan Neal got picked on. Again, Griff spoke about how he didn't look healthy. And also Kobe Bryant had some difficulties too. So, Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, cover one rat on third down. So that definitely seemed like what they had the best process in defensively. Um, probably just speaks to their broad ability to to cover guys. I mean, the secondary, I mean, they can stick with dudes. And like, yeah, they had good rat play out of Barton and and Muse. So, um, uh, you know, I let Woolen and, and Jackson press, which is probably their strength overall too. Um yeah. Yeah. So the big route that was like constantly beating Seattle was a deep, big route of play action. So if we look at why that why that became a thing, I've said a lot of the year that Seattle's cover three rules for bootleg plays and by no nowhere near as effective as they have been in the past, nowhere near as brushed up on. And in our season review, Griff will share some exciting data on Seattle's cover three where it shows that they've been good, but um, it's complicated, though. In ter- it's, it is complicated, and for this kind of attack that they're facing, it was not there. And in the past, they've had much better play from the hook droppers to find the deep dig route, especially on the back end of 2021, where it looked like they'd fixed things. This game, they played a fair... Uh, where they sprinkled in bare fronts a bit more uh, to when in the past they'd just been playing under... I presume to try and remove the, some of the bubbles and give time and, and and better angles for the hook droppers to find the over route, but it just didn't happen. So if we start with first and 10, uh, 11.33 left in the second quarter. Right, so formationally, you get this kind of gun look, um, but again, another shift, another motion, more playing. And you can see how Tariq Woolen... I think this is one where his eyes get caught in the backfield. Yeah. So that dig is wide. Well, it's not really a dig. This is more of like an overroute but, or race route. But that, that overroute is wide ass open. I don't know why Purdy didn't throw it because he's not actually that good. <laughs> um, yeah. He, he wants to throw a touchdown. He sees digs nailing down, but he's got a wide open completion. Yeah. He should have just taken the over route. Yeah. I don't know why. What's Neil complaining about? Is he complaining about Lyman downfield? Or false start? I don't know. And what's weird is this is the first time all game Diggs actually looks to nail down on some of this two route stuff. I think it's just because it's wide open. Yeah, because he sees nobody. Nobody. Yeah. yeah. But th- this is this... a poor play from Woolen. Uh, but also the, the, the hook droppers are like not even there. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, you, you get the corner and the fit. And it gets him thinking twice when he sees the the backfield mesh. And Debo does sell this pretty well as a as a fake block. Yeah. But this is technically Woolen's responsibility. But we'll get to some plays where which illustrate sort of the the lack of weak hook like consistent play as well. Um I have literally twelve plays of which have dig and 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 it not illustr and it uh, not being picked up. Uh, so li- literally the first play of the game actually, and this is what I meant about how it could have been a lot worse. So twelve thirty five left in the first quarter. Obviously Purdy missed that last chance that we talked about as well. Um, here you have a pistol look and, and a shift again. Seattle's just playing under weak rotated cover three, and okay, it's a seven man protection. So it's tricky because the linebackers are seeing all this backfield action. And like and also that that's their coverage too, are those guys in the backfield. 
Yeah, yeah, their main coverage responsibility is staying in. So, you know, it's not necessarily, uh, well, at least until they've released, but yeah. Right. Not necessarily right. their thing. Um, but what Seattle would do in the past is they'd, they'd say, okay, if your guy stays in, if you're the weak hook player, which technically is Tanner Muse on this play, because they're, they're dropping Bruce Servin, he's like the, um, wait, have I got that right? No, you're right. Yeah. They're dropping yeah, he, Bruce Irvin. He he's like the old school Sam player. Um, they typically have Tanner Muse. As soon as he realizes it's run, even if it's seven map protection, he'd then just try and look back down this hash for to just help as an underneath layer. Right. Um, even if seven man, I, I went back and looked at old ways of playing the 49ers and he just gets kind of lost. He doesn't do it. I, and again, he may not have been coached to do it. The point is, I still don't quite know how they're supposed to handle this because it's been so inconsistent and patchy. Right. Um, like the way they play their rules, it hasn't been like, it feels like it changes sometimes like the game plan a little bit, like they do it the new way than the old way yep. in the past. We've seen them now. This is kind of almost like a, it's not a burst corner out, but it's like a, it's more of a true go or inside release fade anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, like clear out route. But in the past against a lot of two man, like deep route stuff, they would try to have the corner, the, the corner to the side of the go or post would release the post, the safety and then kind of help, kind of help robot the crossing route from the other side. Yeah. Um, he, he Maybe he would have done that, but he couldn't with the because way because he realizes that. this guy keeps going. Now, w- one thing that is cool about this is that Tariq slow plays his go. Cause he knows he can catch up. Yep. Which he's thinking, okay, if it does start to break inward, then I'll go help on that over route. Yeah. But obviously it doesn't. So he has to stay home. Um, now what's crazy is he almost makes a pick anyway, but that kind of yeah. speaks to Woolen's talent though. And the fact that he knows how to gauge what chances to take and what chances not to take. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the 49ers are really good at selling play action. So typically you'd say what well, typically a linebacker's keen for the high hats. These are hey, these hats are high-ish. This isn't the best example. I guess it's early in the game, but they're still selling run pretty damn well. Um, and it's kind of a confidence thing for offensive line where they really start biting. Then you get more and more confident with how you can uh, play with it. Um, yeah, I mean that play though that we just looked at. That's forty-nine. I hope if Shanahan knows Purdy isn't the answer. Like that's not the guy. Yeah. That play yeah. right there. Yeah. Um so here again, Woolen gets uh, his eyes sort of in the backfield and he gets beat and he, this is recovery play. But you can see also how the dig is actually getting open. Okay, digs throttles down because it's the high red zone. Sorry, I'll get you the timestamp. Uh 11, 12 in the first quarter, first and ten. Um again, if 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 I just draw it up for everyone. It's uh, they create trips technically, but um, which is noteworthy because in the old system, again, Tanner uses the weak hook, would be really keen. The three, he'd be alert for the fact that he'd have to carry a bender back, but also off play action, he basically runs down the pipe to, to look for anything coming back from this guy or you know, this guy across the field. I'm getting closer and closer to drawing an inappropriate object. Um, Maddie, so, get your head out of the gutter. No, no, yeah, it's not in the gutter. What are you <laughs> seeing that here? Yeah, it's like, why uh, does your head go there? Go there? Is it a Freudian slip? The Rosark test. There you go. Anyway, so yeah, this is a bad play from Willem, but you can see again how like Cody's in tune to it, and it might be that they ask only one linebacker to do it. Um, and it's like the strong hook with the way that the coverage pushes. But again, it's so inconsistent. Cody's kind of doing it, but not really. Uh, luck, because it's the high red zone, it does change things. But again, get get used to it. So, <laughs> wow. There's so many. Um, okay, so 13-14 in the second quarter. We haven't looked at this. Right, so again, the shift into two by two. Um, 
a lot of these kind of split flow stuff so they'd pull a guard or they'd you know have a, a the u off the y off often juice check but sometimes kittle going across the formation just to get the linebackers flowing lateral and maybe slightly down as well but thinking a bit more of run um i think this one they actually complete well and you can see out of the the cut is also slower breaking with the with the cut uh the receiver will just end inside which makes it a bit more difficult they're actually play this one better in terms of cody barton uh, this is more on woolen deflectism being dwindled, I'd say. Yeah, and and this one is tough too because they're thinking the the play is going to be reversed. Like they think the like a throwback. Right, it's like a throwback. They think Ayuk running the dig. They think he's going to be running the post or go or corner, and as whatever the case may be. And then um, the receiver at the bottom will be the one running the dig, but it's the reverse. So like. Like they're trying to go, okay, if it's zone action to my left, then I need to roll over to my right and find the crossing route going that direction. Which is what Cody does. Right. So it's like, this is what I meant earlier by like Shanahan mixing up the combination. Like it's just, it's the same play. It's the same pattern on downfield. It's just combined with different, you know, tendency. Yeah. Um and it's just him manufacturing free yards because this is even like if if they played this way right here like they did on one of those other plays they might have defended it right and like forced a check down yeah um so like the only way it works really is if the corner can make a play and um you know one game that always comes to mind where a team activated their corners even in cover three and kind of took some pressure off of their linebackers was um the Chris Richard Cowboys against the Rams in either 2018 or 2019. And it was one, it was one game where I watched, I was like, wow, Seattle needs to sign Shadobi Awuzie because they had him and, um, and who was their corner? Byron Murphy. Yeah. Byron Murphy. Was that him? I don't know what happened. Right. Is, he still, is he still in Miami? I don't know. Um, yeah, he got paid. Yeah. So anyway, they had those two guys chasing inbreakers all game, and they just said linebackers just plug your gaps, defend Gurley, and have the corners chase. And it was cover three. It wasn't cover one. It was cover three, and they managed to make this work. Um, but they let them play really aggressive. They even pressed them and stuff. So, um, which tells you they weren't worried at all about anything deep, right? Like they were just trying to squeeze on stuff. Um, they were willing to give up. You know, maybe. Because it was, you know, short splits, right? Like if you if you miss, you could throw up an easy fade down the sideline. Yeah. Anyway, and, um, and for newer listeners, this was like a big finding this kind of. I mean, these this dig was very deep from Shanahan in this game, but finding the kind of crossing route of play action was a big problem for Seattle's cover three, which they had to find ways to try and fix over the years and like staggering the hooks, playing like a similar game plan to Fangio and uh, Belichick in that Rams Super Bowl game and 6-1 fronts. Then finding this the, the kind of bare front deal and doing it that way. But like it's, this was a game where it's almost like they just didn't expect it to happen as much as it did. He right. said they really played the run and um, it's all about emphasis week to week and like indicators and what you're really like trying to ramp up. And I just, I just don't think Seattle spent the time. Well, right. clearly I hope not because they it didn't look like it. So, so, one. so, but like right off the bat though, it's 11 personnel, but it's under center and like yep. they're in the two, four, five, right? N nickel yep. over G even space. They're not in bear. And it's just like them totally abandoning their, nickel bear package there or nickel tight either one whatever three three five is gone it's all two four five and you can see tannin uses technically the uh strong hook uh he sort of becomes the well no he is still the strong hook and again it's kind of the change up of uh who's running what but they neither muse doesn't get enough depth really um for this he's sort of so worried about the back uh, Barton's trying to find it. It is very deep. 
and Woolen is is slow out the cut. Well, slower than we've seen, certainly. Yeah. And, and what Seattle would do in, in past years as well is they would occasionally uh, play press bail to this uh, single receiver so to get them tighter to the cut and tighter leverage-wise horizontally as well as vertically. I just don't understand though Tariq's alignment though. Like why? Like so it's like wide. he's trying to. It's like he's trying to protect like a blaze out. But this isn't Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. In that remember the first the 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 road game at the Forty ers There were similar issues to this where the alignment was like too wide, and we were like sort of questioning that he about his own bail stuff. Right. So, and I guess this would be a question for like Carl Scott, but like I feel like Carl Scott like did a he had a stellar year because again overall Tariq Woolen's been great but there are some things like this and then things the way the corners play the run game you know where, where they're pulled in like not knowing the fundamentals of how to crack replace and not knowing how to like you know space themselves when they when it's like duo how to squeeze down the line and stuff it just seems like really sloppy like that's one question I do have stuff like that yeah, so um, how and then like how connected is the the ideas like with the technique with the scheme, right? And then here, one oh eight second quarter. <laughs> Again, uh, that eleven personnel being matched, um, and it is it is sort of uh, more understandable, uh, but still with the two four five look in dime um, because it's the end of the half situation. Right. Uh, I mean that that makes sense then. End of half, yeah. This isn't play action. This is just a deep dig, but the same kind of root concept. I don't know what Jonathan Abrams doing. Yeah, I, I have no idea. And now, and that kind of undercuts what I was saying earlier about how I thought Abr Abrams was playing well. Now, I don't think Abrams had been playing a hook though. He had primarily been a seam yeah. flat player. Yeah, what you get? So, so, like, I would rather have had Neil playing the hook because Neil can play a hook fine. And then have Ab Abrams do what he was doing the past month where he's been playing good football. He should so. be the kind of three up his three player. Uh, they even create a trips kind of look here, but he should be just getting on this. Uh, but again, we don't know what the emphasis was. And I, you know, you got to presume it wasn't that. Yeah. And they probably we want Neil carrying Kittle, not a, it is drop eight. It looks like. And again, Woolen is so wide. Uh, the problem, yeah. I think, for him was how they stemmed. They they took like the first two steps were like an inside release from the receiver, and he just didn't seem to adjust to that when it happened. Like, look, watch the first the first steps of this are like this, and Woolen just drops straight back. He doesn't yeah. uh, he doesn't yeah. tighten his leverage. Right. Yeah, which again, an eye thing maybe. Maybe is it late? Maybe maybe he's thinking smash, given, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That's just me hazarding a guess at that point. Um, do we have the uh, the four strong play with Ryan Neal? Uh, early in the game. Or... Yeah, that was that was probably a timestamp. I should have. But it was early in the game. So, is yeah. it this one or is it? Uh, I have two. It, it's uh, it's a touchdown. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know the one. It's I think a Debo touchdown. So eleven oh five in the first quarter, second and ten, just outside the red zone. Oh no, I don't think it's this one. If it's a Debo touchdown, the Debo touchdown was like the second to last touchdown of the game. Okay. Yeah, it was the uh, it was the boot. It was the the four strong boot. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, back. Yeah, hold hold on. Um, yeah, I'll I'll get to it because interestingly, like they Neil handled a similar play fine, but like Shanahan had sort of planted the seed in his mind that. Hey, we we can do this. Mm -hmm. uh, we can we we can do this, and we're not going to throw it. And then you, we we do throw it. So I can't believe this was a touchdown. Oh, and um, sort of as a follow up to David Crockett, um, who who asked in the in our post game live show about 
why there were so many one-on-one tackling situations. It was more like in one rat stuff where Seattle's in man-to-man, so you have a man, so you've got to make your tackle on your man. Uh, but there wasn't as many, I don't think. It was more that multiple people missed their tackles. <laughs> like, and like and like bad angles too. Like, awful like they angles. Weren't, they awful. weren't like, honestly, like I really, the, the tackle point to me doesn't seem like as big of an issue as the angle you're taking because you're not in a good position to make a good tackle. Yeah. Um, like, like you're not, no one's going to be able to arm tackle Debo Samuel. You need to make sure your whole body's lined up for it. Yeah. And yeah, let's, let's uh, yeah, we'll, we, we'll break, let's break that down. Um, but you, you want to talk about this play, Griff. So, in whatever terms, uh, Seattle's in cover three, Neil is like the curl flat player. Um, you might hear this called six gate, it's under front, weak cover three, sky. Um, and Neil, uh, is a curl flat player with everyone away he doesn't have a two out immediately he becomes the uh four to first crosser player right griff yeah so, so in the four to first crosser meeting if it's if flow is away from him that means the first guy coming back would technically be the final four and he would have or become the new final four and he would have to take that route back essentially match it or if um if uh everything is going to his left then he would take including though that weak one receiver then he would take he would nail down on that nail down but he would leverage that crosser that first crosser so um yeah yeah because of how because of how the coverage matches right basically, so, so basically everyone yeah, gets everyone's run off everyone's run off everyone's run off everyone's run off so then like he Neil has he has, has no weak first, flat he has no flat line. threat yeah he has no flat threat coming from the weak side, so that means his eyes need to look strong and look for the first thing coming back at him. So, like, all four guys are going that direction. Tariq Wollin would be essentially in man on his receiver, so Neil doesn't need to worry about him so much. So then the, that crossing route that comes... So Neil will be the final four, Muse will be the final three, and... 19 right there, Debo. Neil's already overran it. Now, Muse does a good job on Kittle. That's actually a really good rep for Muse on the final three right there. That's awesome for Muse. Yeah, I thought but Muse ne- showed some stuff. He got away with a bit of a hook on Debo, but yeah, I thought he showed some stuff. Yeah, yeah, like that route earlier um, where he was carrying Kittle, that was a pretty good rep because he's he's bodying Kittle up the seam and they want it's covered too. So you know, the middle of the field's open and that route's bending and Muse handled it pretty well. Like here, he does a good job showing his change of direction and keeping step for step with Kittle. That's a decent rep. Um, I think he'd be good depth to bring back next year. Um, mm. But like right here, like Neil just needs to understand, like I think he just keeps eyes off of, I think he's thinking it's a run. Yeah, and in the way that they'd fit this, what doesn't help him is he starts with a too high disguise like coaching point, you'd say get your ass in the box. It's, they've motioned into two back, and then in two back, the way that under weak rotation fits is everyone fits off the fullback. Wherever the fullback goes, this guy is the turn back player. This guy is the run through spill player. This guy looks to fit in next available gap, which would typically be on a wide toss play. Um, it could almost be up in the C gap, you know. Um, so he basically need, he's thinking I need to haul ass to help out my teammates because if you pause it at the moment of the fake toss, this guy's showing a wide path on the fake toss. This guy's coming to block uh, probably the D end. Uh, then Barton is maybe going to get blocked by the the tackle here, um, or or the tight end. The point being, Neil thinks he needs to be the extra fitter, which yeah. which. which uh, he didn't because it's play action. Shanahan's got him on this play before, as he himself admitted. So, uh, yeah, uh, it sucks, but Shanahan messes with people. And this is why, I mean, a lot of safeties would make this error, but also, you know, Neil is a backup. Um, and yeah, he's not I mean, an all-pro. It's, it's it's bad at every, bad at every, uh, every juncture here. And again, I don't get the coaching. Like, 
just get your art in the box. Why are we messing around? It's 21 personnel. I like surely yeah. the detail is that thing about the details. Right. But um yeah, I know it all happens fast. Right, and let's let's uh let's choose this as a tackling point. Um because I, I wrote down tracking in my notes. Um So Kobe Bryant had a really poor day tackling. Uh, second and 10, 11 and 06 in the second quarter. Again, look, a lot of these clips are first half stuff to our point. So they motion into two by two, it's unfollowed. And Seattle's just running weak rotated cover three again, what they'd call cover nine. Or is this one rat? Yeah, no, it's yeah, weak rotated cover three. And it's a good play, like, and and the way they play it is uh, Seattle on defense. Uh, Cheese is um, the three up is three player. Barton's yeah. in the strong hook, but Cheese is going to take this route vertical, and that's why he starts opening his hip to start man turning that. Uh, so that's fine. Like they they played it all fine. Uh, and then it's checked down underneath. And then when you're playing this kind of defense, you have to make the tackle. And to me, right. like the, if you just watch the tracking of uh, you just watch the tracking of Kobe Bryant here, it just doesn't make any sense. Like this is something which uh, not not just him's made this kind of mistake. But if we if we play the play through, right, the ball's caught by Kittle here, and Kobe Kobe Bryant's here. His he has. He knows he has help in the hook from Cheese, so it, it kind of an inside fitter. He knows he has Barton who who's going to press uh, the play. So Bryant should be tracking the near hip, right? But what he does is he, for some reason, pursues upfield uh, on this play and gets in a very poor leverage position to make this tackle. He ends up lunging uh, and he's beat to the outside. Like the one thing he cannot do is let Kittles to the outside. He's the outside player in this open field pursuit. Um, his angle of attack is, just doesn't make sense. And it puts him in a position where he misses. There's all kinds of things in this game, like not wrapping up. Um, yeah. The end zone angle might be good for just showing how... the. But Barton's pressing the guy who can press the hip here. Bryant is way too far upfield in his pursuit angle. Like the fact that, yeah, it just bad. But yeah, and of... and like like uh, this, I feel like is another learning moment for uh, Kobe Bryant because he he's still kind of a fish out of water at nickel. Like he finds himself in positions on the field that he's never found himself before. Like the way he, he peels off that wheel route and then he's, you know, reacting to a shallow coming his way. Like he's never related to players on the field, you know, like that before. So it's 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 kind of, I think, an example of, you know, he, he may never be a great tackler, but it's something that he can just get a lot better at, I think, probably just by virtue of experience. But, you know, like he's been he's been a perimeter corners his whole football career to this point. So yeah okay so that's kind of the defense if you have any questions don't be afraid to comment and uh if you want to know what happened on a certain play but hmm. <laughs> the run defense was kind of positive but it's sort of about what they had to give to make that happen and the fact that they were they were rather vanilla in their calls right Griff? like they, yeah they, they, they still lack the kind of added wrinkles on top of that I mean, they're they're a very vanilla defense right now. They they don't have it's like preseason defense. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. So, um, but but again, I don't want like this game to completely frame how we feel about the defense in general because like there are still some significant significant issues. But like there was a lot of things going for them, you know, up to this point, mm -hmm. like. They came off two really good games against the Jets and Rams, and granted, those offenses are in dire straits. But like, 
you know, they they still like did the things that they can control way better than they did this game. Um, yeah, although I I do think I think they just sort of got found out in then their their simplistic approach. Like I think I think and, sure. and their lack of details in certain areas because they've been scrambling to. It's like we've seen all season. It's come in waves. The improvements, right? Um, regression because they've had to run like they've had to go with like three different approaches. Like, right. So we have a question in... here from mm-hmm. Doxonomous. Do you think that's a Pete thing or a young player thing? Seems like by the end of the season there should be more complexity. Well, it's sort of what I was saying about how they they had to go because the, what they were doing wasn't working. They sort of had to. Establish a different kind of base to the one they were planning on. Yeah, so it was very simple. It was weak rotated under, with like the occasional uh weak rotated under cover three, under cover six, for for like their base approach. With then you could pirate stunt for a slot, and then you could have a strong safety blitz. Uh, yeah, like three deep three under. That was it for for base defense. And the forty nine is a in twelve personnel and twenty one personnel. The stuff that Seattle wanted to play base to, even twenty two personnel, a lot of the time. And you have three calls. So I mean, it's, oh, it's and, stu- and 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 uh, under cover one to the tight end. But it, right. and not only do you have four calls, right? But also you don't just have calls in the game, but you have like tweaks on those calls. You have more. You can add some juice to them to, to make them pop in a certain way. Right. Seattle just didn't have that. Um, it's like it's when, stuff it, they it's, defended last year and they had answers for last year. Yeah, they had a lot of answers. And and like it's stuff that when they ran this, because this is what they ran on defense in 2012 to 2019, right? When they ran this in the past, they had more answers. They had an adjustment for if the, the offense was in a slot formation, for instance, uh, right. where they'd play cover two, but with a post safety, which is cool. And yet they didn't do that. They they didn't have that in the book. They just didn't have it. So they're just scrambling. Um, yeah. Earlier in the season, they were running. They they tried to fall back into bare fronts, but they didn't have enough of that. Um, and then they abandoned it again, um, which we'll talk about in our review. But they basically run three three different approaches in defense this year. And each time they've added a new approach, it's been simplistic because it's sort of scrambling to solve an issue. And you right. can't do that. And then when when they faced eleven personnel, all they did was weak rotated cover three, and then occasionally uh, half quarter quarter or quarter quarter half on a passing down. But that was it. Was like again, you've got three calls. Uh, occasionally, you'd, you'd st- pirate stunt to solve an issue, but very very rarely. They had nothing. They had absolutely nothing. Uh, and then a bonus fire zone if they if they the game plan allowed for it. But yeah. Um, last year, I think they were able to, cause Ken Norton Jr. People thought he was vanilla, but he had so much scheme and he introduced different calls and stuff. I think the reason why they were, what they did last year was so conducive to adding new things. That's why when they tweaked the scheme, like enhanced the match rules and stuff, it was so easy for them to do that because they played so much bear that could, that remained their like common denominator, like a schematic pivot point, And it made adding things into those looks easier because this year, and again, we're going to talk about this in the, the season review episode next week, because they were so committed to playing this two, four, five front against 11 personnel. It meant that if they had issues in that, in that front, they had to drop that safety down and just play like, you know, put fires out, you know, gapped out in the box, right? One high. But then also, cause they spent so much time in that world in general, that meant that when they were in bear, Bear was less extensive. It had less, you know, counter punches. Um, and then that also made some of the bear stuff uh, regress um, uh, a little bit too. So it was kind of this, like they twisted themselves into a knot. So it wasn't like they could just keep throwing stuff in to fix it. It was more like they had to just hunker down and, and their only natural solution was getting more and more simple, which that might've made individual play better, but then it still meant, like you said, eventually, when you run into a big fish, you're going to get found out. It probably speaks to the fact that they defended the Chiefs so well. It probably speaks really well of like the um, like the like the floor of their talent that they can handle it when they're playing their stuff well. But eventually, you know, you, 
asking for a repeat performance of that probably isn't likely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to me, this year is just a combination of injuries and like, you know, a young defensive staff that just wasn't quite ready to handle, you know, not not able to handle coaching what they needed to coach to make the two, four, five stuff work to the extent that they wanted it to work and then not being able to respond to setbacks really well. Um, if, if Pete, if Pete could have done a do over, he probably would have gone back in time to that bucks game and said, we're just going to live in bear again. And we're going to just keep throwing, adding and scheme there. And forget I don't the understand five. like the, the bucks were notorious for running the running the ball quite a bit. And Seattle went into that game thinking that their tenants, they said that the tenancies well, changed. So yeah. They ran I, mean, two, I went all the way to Germany and after asking about Bear, and they basically ran two for five yeah. and got absolutely run on the whole damn game. And you like, saw some awful interior defensive line play from guys who technically they, they were not comfortable with what they were asking, what they were being asked to do. Lo and behold, what was big with the Bear change that's in the season they run. They they do less of the mirror stepping four eye gap and half slash two gap play. They run more three tech power stepping play into the guard. Oh, but but no. When we're in nickel, we're going to ask you to mirror step as a two eye, even though we've got the numbers advantage. We're gapped out in the box, uh, but we'll, we'll ask you to do that anyway and 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 try and play gap and half, even though we're gapped out. I That's so. Like even though the, that Bucks game though is still super important because like they defended well the runs that the bucks had ran up until that point even in the two four five it was when they started calling out all their scheme breakers their tendency breakers that they weren't prepared for the the numbers like like the, the ground gives out from yeah. underneath them. was it was that the was that the gap game like that, that was when they ran a bunch of like like gun counter gun yeah. power gun yeah. trap when right, but like yeah. against against inside zone and duo that game they held them to like 2.3 yards per carry yeah, so but right. it just speaks to the fact that they don't have the fire zones on the call sheet to just call like all right we got to slip back into bear and when so they run like, when, when they run like stuff the to the bubble right? we'll, we'll, we'll yeah we'll throw movements at it. like they just don't have that ken norton jr would have that in his back pocket every single game and he didn't do a lot of it but it was there and it was when they needed it. They literally don't have it now. Like I, the last time I remember them calling a fire zone out of any odd space front bear tight or the combinations they ran like with the checks was the, was like in the, the fourth quarter of the jets game. And it was one time and it worked. No, well, and the time the, before that was against the Raiders. And well, it's against, like against the Rams, they ran, they did run uh nickel over, uh, like cover two fire zone they, they had some Ew. stuff in there even stuff as well but like i don't know i don't know um it's so the stuff that we get into next week is going to be really revealing because while i do think they need to add talent i really think talent is the bottom of the list of problems in terms of explaining how disastrous it's been like yeah. ceiling is another question but it is they absolutely have the talent at every level defensive line linebacker secondary to be way better than this than what and we're you seeing know i agree with that but yeah but um yeah so so there will be some rants next week but also i mean i kind of i kind of frame all this with a positive mind because this stuff is so staggeringly obvious we can assume the coaching staff knows that and given the words that pete spoken as a recent press conference yeah i mean it seems really obvious what they're going to do next year and it's just going to be a kind of like the perfect ideally hopefully the right combination between 2021 and 2022 scheme with this new fledgling talented secondary of which there are some really promising numbers there and then their ability to really finally add a pass rusher or two that we is considered you know universally accepted as a really high-end player and then I think they'll they'll be they'll be roaring next year, um, but mm -hmm. you know we'll we'll really unpack that next time. So, do we have time to talk about the offense? I guess briefly, they played pretty damn well. The fumble was unfortunate. You'd like it maybe to be tucked higher up, but you know it was tight. It was just a good play. It's unfortunate how they got in that circumstance. But really, I felt in the circumstances against a very talented offense. 
it's a real shame that the defense just collapsed because the offense was in this game. Yeah, I, I thought, I mean, the, the protection was admirable, probably about as good as you could ever expect out of this group this year against that front, you know, um, especially after they've been struggling. It was nice to see Lucas end the year on a solid game, not a great game, but a solid one. Cross too, um, Cross put up a fight against a lot of different body types, handling, you know, Bosa, then Omenehu, then Ebukam, you know, like those are three different types of dudes. Um, obviously all ranging in ability, but also ranging in style too, right? And he 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 did well. Damian Lewis did fine. Um so uh I mean, yeah, they played admirably. I thought DK Metcalf had a great game. For Brilliant. as much as for as much as I've like not nitpicked, but been kind of, I guess you could say hard on him like earlier in the season for not making tough catches and stuff. Um, I mean, he he he's made he made a lot of tough catches this game. I mean he, mm -hmm. he knew that if they were going to move the chains, the ball was going to have to go to him in all these contexts. Um, I mean, he won on vertical routes. He was winning on you know, the more possession-oriented stuff. Um, he was winning on the backside of trips when they had to go one-on-one go -on -one possession, like those deep curl routes. Like, like this offense replaces the backside dig route with like the backside curl or stop route to DK, right? Um, and Gino's been hitting that a lot this year, and he hit it this game. So that, that was really good. And then Gino, I mean, I thought Gino was almost perfect. I mean, yeah, I, I, I counted like one bad play out in the fumble. Yeah, like the interception, I, I think, is a combination of the, the corner not getting called for DPI. Oh, yeah. Probably a, a, a good play from the corner the as well. The game's over, man. Yeah. And then Lockett losing his route really the badly. Yeah. Um, but so th that's the other thing. Lockett didn't play well this game. And I don't think he was healthy, but the fact that Gino could have a put up not just have a good game, but also produce statistically on top of it. Um, having a good game in process and result with Lockett not being 100% was just a really great, you know, like season capper for Gino, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> yeah. that's all I got. Well, that oh, yeah. made, and that made DK performing as well as he did all the more important, right? Because you don't have a 100% locket, you don't have Will Disley, you don't have Marquis Goodwin. Like options are very limited. Weapons are very right. limited there. So yeah, right. Ty, yeah. any questions on the on on the offense? Um, we kind of went over some stuff on on yesterday's episode. I there's nothing that I can really think of off the top of my head. Anything uh, you guys in the chat have uh, for these guys before we hop off here? Send them now or forever hold your peace. Yeah, and I felt Walker, you know, he read he he had pretty good run blocking, but he read things well. There was one play where he was looking for the edge, but like it was guard tackled rap and it was kind it looked like it was gonna be there. So you, it was an understandable decision. Other yeah. than that, he continued to sort of he continued his approve his improvement from the mid season struggles. So Yeah. And and the interior finally got movement on kind of the under talked about like soft underbelly of the 49ers interior. I mean, Armstead's a freak. Don't get me wrong, but like they don't really have dudes inside. T.Y. McGill's a good role player. Kerry Hyder is a good role player who shouldn't be playing defensive tackle. And there are opportun opportunities inside to really get movement. And they actually moved them this game. Um, I thought Blythe had a really good game, actually. Austin Blythe. Um, yep. Yep. I would, I would feel... If Blythe can stay healthy, I would feel so much better about Blythe as a center if the right guard was as good as Damian Lewis. Like if, yep. if they had, so they they got to find that guy. Um, Big need. If, like they could improve on Blythe. Don't get me wrong, but he could be just fine, and you could still have the all the advantages of how he is at the line and communication and stuff. Um, so, yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh. There was like one shot against cover three that I wish, G or maybe it was cover one actually that I wish Gino had thrown, but he was sort of trying to stay on schedule a bit more than and keep the drive alive. On I felt he played good situational football, really. So yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, just unfortunate that the defense melted. Uh, so. There's a lot of questions here, which are great, but they we will cover them in the off-season stuff. Yeah. Uh, but Dr. Sedated on that subject asked, uh, 
what does off-season content look like for you guys? Well, we will have, uh, as I said at the start of the show, offense data and tape review for the season, uh, defense tape uh, data and tape review for the season. Then, you know, J- Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, who would you mm-hmm. draft? Yep. Those kinds of topics, uh, free agent recaps. I mean, we'll be watching all of these guys. We'll, we'll yep. talk about the senior bowl as well uh, with film because uh, we'll have a virtual credential, be able to break that down, break down those guys. I have a big long list of all the draft prospects I need to watch. Uh, so, yeah, just kind of transitioning to player evaluation, but also with the yeah. look back on the season, we need to talk about Pete Carroll's press conference in more detail, specifically his comments on the defense. John Schneider also spoke uh, uh, today, I think it was, but he, he spoke today or maybe yesterday, and his comments are interesting in, in the main as well. We'll break down when if Gino gets extended, which he should, you know, re-signings yeah. along with the... Yeah, signing outside free agents. Though I'm not sure how much that will happen. So yeah, we should base- also talk uh, schedule here because the schedule is going to be switched up a little bit, right? Yeah, we, we need to hash that out, but we might we might move to two a week, I guess. Yeah, I, I and- believe I believe we're supposed to move to two a week. So I don't think unless, so, unless I remember. I think there that was part of the agreement. All right, whatever. We'll talk about this. No, later. I think I think I think <laughs> uh, I think I think they. I don't. I don't. I don't think they'd mind if we do three. You know. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, well, do we have con- do we have enough content for three a week? <laughs> I mean, we could just, we could just watch loads of tape live. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, but there yeah, thanks, Doctor Sedated. Appreciate it. Um, hopefully, only mildly sedated. Yeah. Right. Yeah, only mildly. It is a Thursday night after all. I mean, they're typing coherently, so that's true. That's, that's promising. True. Yeah. So yeah, so we'll have a bunch of stuff coming. We'll, you know, Maddie and I will be doing the news roundup and chats, which for the next few weeks will probably just be chats more than news roundups. But yeah, because we kind of, I mean, we basically just have to wait until the new league year starts until really anything can happen. But, yeah um oh that's a good idea Wolfpack. yeah we, we can yeah, do, we, a, we mail do bag. a mailbag yeah yeah mailbag. Mailbag. with mailbag some non-football cool. questions but yeah. we'll do them at the end because people get really upset it's bad some it's bad some nonsense yeah. yeah we we definitely want to include some nonsense absolute rubbish mm-hmm. yeah. yeah all right everyone take care have a good weekend yep subscribe look forward to, the, look forward to watching football with no consequence Wait, hold on. Let's look at the likes real quick before we hop off. How many likes are we at? We are at uh come on. we're at nineteen likes and we have Whoa twenty six twenty six people in here. Okay, that's a much better ratio than last You're night. stepping it up. You might be All you right. might be learning. That's good. There Subscribe. Subscribe. Comment if you haven't already. You know, if you're watching this after, commenting does help. Mm-hmm. We've got a donation link down in the description below. All that good stuff. Check it out if you want to support the Five show. Five-star reviews. Five-star reviews. Downloads. Follow Griff at C-Mike Spin Move. Follow Ty mm-hmm. at Dane Gunzaloo. Follow me yeah. at Matty F. Brown. Follow the pod at Seattle Overload. I think I already said that. It's late. Let's get off. And we're still all on Brian Reynolds' watch. That's that's right. Please don't let Tommy Lasella be the final bet. Please don't let Tommy Lasella be the final bet. Please don't let Tommy Lasella be the final bet.